It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good Wednesday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme. Wednesday, that means gardening day. Peter Dowdle will join us later on on the programme so you can get your gardening questions in throughout the morning. It's Bernie taking your calls. She's sitting in for John Paul this week. 1850-333-103. If there's anything you want to get off your chest, you can also text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Later on on the programme today, we're going to be hearing from a woman who contacted us because she really wants to get something off her chest. She went away yesterday to take her son to do his driver theory test and we have dealt with people with driver theory tests, people waiting excessive periods of time to do a driver theory test because we know because of the pandemic there was very few driver theory tests going on. They've just started back. I think the last time we checked I think there's over 100,000 people waiting to do a driver theory test and in the main it's young people. It's kind of the 17, 18 year olds. It's the young people starting out to learn to drive for the first time. Now They're not the only cohort who's waiting to do a driver theory test but in the main it is people learning to drive for the first time and in many cases, when it is a 17-year-old, it's mummy or daddy has to take them to the driver theory test. She went along yesterday to Clonmel, an hour and a half away from where she lives. And she says when she got there, it was locked up. Now, we'll speak more with her uh, to the lengths she tried to get to find out what was going on uh, yesterday. Now, we're endeavouring to try to find out what happened and why the driver theory test centre in Clamel was closed yesterday when this young lad of 17 had an appointment it wasn't that he was just walking in in the hope that he would get an appointment he had an appointment and we're trying to find out NDLS have now said we need to get on to the RSA so I've left Bernie in the office trying to sort that out and to see to see if we can get an answer as to why the NDLS centre in Clonmel wasn't opened because I've just spotted a text in from Marie to say, Hi Patricia, our son is meant to do his driver theory test tomorrow. It's also in Clonmel. He's, have to, he's had to book a half day off work and I'm thinking now, oh, is there any point in him going at this stage? No, absolutely Tom, book his half day off work and, and head up. We're assuming that it was just a random thing that happened yesterday and hopefully by the close of the programme today, Marie will be able to find out for sure what went wrong yesterday. 
at the Driver Theory Test Centre in Clonmel. But has has that happened to anybody else or have you heard of anybody else travelling with an appointment to an NDLS centre, be it Clonmel or anywhere else? And when you got there, it was closed. Because I checked before I came on as to the opening hours and the NDLS centre in Clonmel uh, is open six days a week. Sunday seems to be the only day it's closed. So it is open every day. So I was checking just to make sure that maybe they close on a Tuesday or something and there was some mix up in the computer system but I couldn't find anything online as to why they wouldn't have been opened uh, yesterday so we'll, well, as I say we'll speak more about that later on in the programme but if you heard of or happened to somebody in your house or happened to yourself somebody with a booked appointment to go for a driver theory test to get to the test centre and it was all locked up there was nobody there and nobody answering phone calls either we're also getting on to the council for Sean who's contacted us to say Patricia could you raise an issue and find out why Cork County Council have not cleaned the waste bins in Roscarbury Square since last Thursday or Friday that's six days that they have not been collected it's an absolute disgrace and it reflects poorly on the good name of this picturesque town. It also reflects badly on the great work that's been done by the local Tidy Towns volunteers. This has been an ongoing problem for some time now with many people visiting the area. The situation has escalated with litter shrewn right around the square in Roscarbury from these overflowing bins where crows are picking at the papers and the food that's in the bins. By the way, I feel these bins are also poorly designed. This issue needs to be highlighted ASAP. Thanking you. And that's signed uh, Sean. So we're going to get on to Cork County Council. uh, Well, initially to make them aware that they need to, somebody needs to get to Roscarby, to the square in Roscarby, and those bins need to be emptied. But also to try to find out why, if as Sean is saying, those bins, he reckons since Thursday or Friday they've been overflowing. Now, is it that they've been collected and they're filling up that quickly again? Sean is of the belief that they simply haven't been emptied since Thursday or Friday. So we'll see if we can find out from the council what is going on there. But more than anything, we need to alert them that they need to get somebody out there to empty the bins and also to clean up any of the rubbish that's been strewn around that's overflowing from the bins. And and Sean is right, that must be so disheartening for the people, for the Tidy Towns volunteers, people who give up their free time to go out and pick up other people's litter. They're, they're fantastic people. But then to do all of that work and then to see that the bins haven't been emptied and that's just adding to the litter that's uh, been blown all over the street. Thank you, Sean, for that to 0862 103 103. And I'm interested in hearing listeners' views on should we be pressing forward with the reopening of society in early June and should the government be pushing forward and allowing for foreign travel because it seems that our own Taoiseach, Micheál Martin, has admitted that the next phase of reopening He's saying it could be delayed. And what if you read him between the lines, it looks like it could be delayed by about three weeks rather than the beginning of July. It could be the end of July before we see the further lifting of restrictions. And obviously this is all to do with the concerns that the government and NEFET have to do with the Delta variant of COVID-19. The government said... The Taoiseach said that the government will follow public health advice if it is to delay 
what the planned reopening of indoor hospitality is said to happen on the 5th of July. Now, it isn't just indoor hospitality. It will also see increased numbers allowed visiting households. There's also from that date expected to be an increase in the number of people that can attend weddings. There's also going to be larger indoor and outdoor gatherings. Those kind of restrictions are going to be lifted. Micheál Martin suggested also the resumption of foreign travel from July 19th. That's the date that we're expecting to be allowed uh, to leave the country and embark on holidays. He says that may only apply to people who have been fully vaccinated. At the moment, it's looking like that from the 19th of July, if you want to go on a holiday, if you want to leave the country, you will be allowed to do it. Now we're going to have to have the digital green, the digital cert. And that would be for people who are either fully vaccinated or people who've recovered from COVID-19 in the last six to nine months. But we've also been told that from July 19th, if you get a negative PCR test to prove that you don't have COVID-19, then you will be allowed uh, in foreign travel. Now, what Michal Martin was saying yesterday, saying maybe we need to look at that again and maybe only allow fully vaccinated people embark on foreign travel from the 19th of July. Now he says they will, it will all depend on Neffet advice. He says at this stage, nothing can be guaranteed. He said I think there's growing concern in terms of the increased incident of the Delta variant. He said the government didn't want to do anything that undermines the progress with reopening and that he wouldn't be afraid to delay the reopening if that is the advice that he gets. He said one of the principles we've applied from the get-go is anything we open, we want to keep it open. The reopening has gone well so far. He said we've managed to reopen an awful lot in society so far and the incidence of the virus has gone down parallel with that. Now he says that's largely due to Obviously, the vaccination rollout is happening, but it's also largely due to people being careful. So he said, we don't want to do anything that undermines that sort of progress, cautious but successful reopening of society. He said that would be the principles that would govern when we may, what we may need to decide next week. Now, asked if the government would accept an effort recommendation to delay reopening by two or maybe even three weeks, Miho Martin said, and I quote, yes, I think there's been a consistency of approach in terms of our relationship with Neffet in recent times. By and large, overall, he said that despite the downward trend in new case numbers and hospitalisations, the worry is the Delta variant, uh, that that now is a matter of concern. He said that Chief Medical Officer Tony Houlihan was concerned about the variant Neffert have been asked to carry out modelling on the risk of increased numbers of hospitalisation if it spreads. And of course, everything hinges on uh, and a lot of decisions are made based on what it would look like for the number of people going into hospital. Now, there will be a Neffert meeting this day week that will be followed then by they then give their advice to the Cabinet COVID subcommittee that will happen on the same day and then the following day which will bring us up to the 1st of July that's when the full government meet and then they sign off on the advice from the cabinet subcommittee and that's normally then when we expect to see Michael Martin address the nation and he will say what's happening and we are people are hopeful that he will say there will be a reopening of society on July 4th but 
if the Delta variant, if there are still concerns around the Delta variant, then that advice may be different. Tony Houlihan was speaking on Monday and he said there was a concerning increase in the transmission of the Delta variant. According to him, the growth of the Delta variant is following a similar pattern to what has happened in other European countries. Our nearest neighbour in the UK, we know that the Delta has become the dominant strain of COVID-19 for a number of weeks now. And it's now that they're beginning to see a rise in hospitalisations. Obviously, Tony Houlihan went on to urge people who are not fully vaccinated to follow all of the public health advice. So I think there's good modelling there from other countries as to what happened when the Delta variant arrived. It seemed to build slowly at the start and then it just seems to take off. Uh, And we know in the UK they were due to have a Freedom Day, they were calling it, where they were going to lift all of the rest of their restrictions and that was due to happen I think last week and of course Boris Johnson had to address the nation in the UK and say no we're not ready to do that yet and they've delayed their reopening uh, in in order to try to get more people vaccinated and try to stop the spread of Delta so will we be going down that route uh, as well so I'm very interested to hear from people as to who were you with, who would you be with on this because obviously there's going to be a section of society, I mentioned yesterday that there was an MRBI study out that's showing that the younger generation in particular and they are the ones who by the way are not vaccinated and will be a long wait for vaccination certainly till the end of the summer they want society to reopen they want to get back on, uh, they want to get back out there and get on with their lives obviously people in industry, you're thinking of people in hospitality, they're already in chomping at the bit and ready to start with indoor dining and larger weddings and larger indoor and outdoor gatherings so they desperately want to get back to to business and to getting money into their companies and employing people again. So they certainly are looking for July uh, the 5th. But then you're going to have other people who are going to be a little bit cautious about this and say, look what happened at Christmas. They went against Neffet's, the government went against Neffet's advice and we know what happened to them. We saw those shocking figures and shocking amount of deaths, unfortunately, in, in this country because we opened up too quickly. For the sake of three weeks, should we be holding back? Should we say... We've put up with this long enough. There has been a cautious reopening of society. The outdoor seems to be working. Outdoor hospitality seems to be working okay. Where are you? Where are you with this? Even for vaccinated uh, people and unvaccinated people, do you think that the government should hold out and maybe delay that planned reopening on July 5th? Maybe hold out and wait until towards the end of July instead. Your thoughts welcomed on that. 1850-333-103. Bernie's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. OK, somebody is saying that, uh, Patricia, the government are acting uh, like clowns again. Let the bars uh, open. And if the bars do open on the 5th of July, how soon will we be back attending Cork matches again? And someone else is saying that My- Michael in West Cork uh, is saying that the numbers are way down on COVID and certainly the numbers are way down on hospitalisations. So for that reason, we should be reopening uh, society. But I suppose the fear factor 
factor is that we have all these numbers low, we have them low in the hospital and when you look to other European countries when the Delta variant has taken off they're now seeing an increase in hospitalisations and I suppose that is the big worry and that's what most people are, that's what I'm, I'm assuming Neffet and some of our government ministers, that's what they are most going to be uh, worried about. Hi, no, I think we should move on with the reopening of hospitality with what evidence have, have showed what what evidence have showed they're closed with nearly 15 months now the with the variant without reopening not a good day we don't have the weather for sitting outside today so while while outdoor hospitality is open look at the weather today it wouldn't be a good day to go out and have your lunch outside so certainly this is somebody very much in favour of reopening hospitality on the 5th of July Hi Patricia they must not open until the end of July it'll be safer for everyone cases are still too high uh, Kate's says what's another three to four weeks at this stage why ruin it by opening up too soon and then somebody says Trisha how do you apply for your COVID passport this is the EU it's been called the EU digital COVID certificate I know the government are working on the rollout and the implementation of this COVID passport I think most people will uh, call it as far as I know now we're waiting to get the the official word on it but as far as I know I was reading something over the weekend obviously when you went to get your vaccine they have all your details they have your PPS number your air code so they have your address as far as I know they're, the government are going to roll it out electronically so it's going to either be sent as a QR code. You can get it on your passport. It won't necessarily be a piece of paper. You can get it on your phone, I think, was one of the ways that it's been suggested. So the government will have the record of everybody who, who has gotten the vaccine, who has already gotten their vaccine. So I'm assuming they will send everybody their EU digital COVID certificate rather than people actually applying for it. That's what I'm led to believe is going to happen. But at the moment, the government are working on the rollout and the implementation of that COVID passport. We will keep you posted. 1850 Bernie taking your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862 Now since the shocking incident with Denmark's Christian Eriksson, there's been an increased focus on the need for more people to learn CPR skills and the vital importance of a defibrillator. Well my next guest is currently fundraising for a defibrillator that she hopes to travel around with. Marcy Murphy, who is an equine instructor from Mornabi, joins me. Good morning to you, Marcy. Good morning. Uh, you're, Hello. You're very, you're very welcome. Now, as an equine instructor, do you travel around a lot? I would. I would travel around a lot. Um, I would be on the road quite a bit. And I do think it is vitally important to know how to use and also to have one with you I think at all times I just think it's so important especially the way everything has gone at the minute Yeah and especially as I said with, with what happened with Christian Eriksen and I think the whole world was ended up watching it and exactly. we saw that thankfully he was in the right place at the right time and a defib was available to him so your plan would be that the defib would be in your jeep is it? That's right yes yeah. And what training have you had to date? Well, so far, what I have done, I'll just give you a little introduction of myself. Okay. Um, I work as a safety officer with the Avondu Pony Club, as well as teaching kids in various of pony camps. I'm a postgrad in Stage 2 Equine Instructor. I've also completed a course with Equine Academy, and I also have Equine Husbandry, which 
goes more into details such as science management, breeding and care, etc. I have years of experience with horses. I have worked in different horse yards and I have recently completed my equine first aid as well as my first aid response and professionally trained in using the AED, Automated External Defibrillator, by Michelle Carey, Phoenix Safety Solution. And I feel, and I think, the reason being here today is to raise as much awareness, the benefit of how important the use of an AED machine and how it can benefit you, I, our family, friends and uncles. This is not just for my use of equine industry, it's for the benefit of each and every one of you. Yeah, and are, are there many defibs available in your in your area, for example? Not in the area, no. 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 So when you're travelling around, you haven't come across many places where you would say, oh yeah, there definitely is a defib there. No, no. No, you might see the odd one here and there in the odd villages and stuff like that, but not in my local area, no. How much do they cost? Well, at the minute, I am pricing around, and I have a goal set for eight, 800 euros. Okay. So I am pricing, and at the minute, I'm still getting a lot of emails from different, um, like, heart solution in Tala. I'm just waiting on another email now from those. So I'm just basically just shopping around and just waiting to see what is available to my set goal. Okay, and you've you've launched a GoFundMe page? I have. I have indeed. And how's it going? It's really good. I'm halfway there. Well done. I'm halfway there. Well done. No, I'm also doing um, a run for Women's Aid, um, which is starting next month. And I'm hoping in the lines of that, that I will get a little bit more donators in that. And then if you got one, Marcy, obviously, as your work with an equestrian um, instructor, you'd be, as you say, you're out and about, so the defib would, would be with you all the time. But would it, would you let it be known locally that you have a defibrillator? Of yes, yeah, of course. If I could be any help or in any need to help anyone in the, light, in the lines of using an AED machine, I, I'm there, I'm in it, because it's just so, so important. I just don't know, do people realise actually how important they actually are like it is so so important and even at the minute I'm even training my little girl in to use it as well well they save it's the difference between life and death isn't it it is it is it's so 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 important I just can't stress or highlight it enough how important it is and how it can benefit a loved one a stranger anyone and to be able to use it it's phenomenal. And I think it's only when families have a family member who's ended up needing a defib that people realise the importance. But that's the whole thing. We never know when you or I or any member of our family or someone we're working with or a friend, you never know when that call might go out and somebody needs a defibrillator and needs one quickly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And have you ever heard of anybody doing what you plan to do? To almost have a mobile defib? No, I actually haven't. <laughs> I, haven't I actually haven't, no, but <laughs> I have come across where I had to um, give chest compressions and it was actually on her birthday um, two years ago now. And like that, I wish I had one because it would have made life so much easier because we had to wait, I see the bones of an hour and 40 minutes for the air ambulance to arrive. And it was pretty scary. And from that moment, I said, right, I'm going to have to do some training around this. And who was it? Was it a family member? 
No, it was total stranger, total stranger, and like that. Now we had the COVID um, around the same time, but you just forget yourself and you just get in and you just do it, and that's it. So and you were like doing that. you were doing chest compressions. With, I was, yeah, with, with some girl, yeah. Because they say, yeah, they say to, to have two people because it's very strenuous, isn't it? It is, yeah. It, it was very, very tough. It was very tough because she was gone for the bones of maybe two minutes at least. And thank God we did. We brought her back. We brought her back. So. And, and is she okay? Was she okay? She, well, she was in um, Dublin. She did have to go under a couple of operations. Um, no, she is back walking, but it yeah. was from a fall from a heart. Wow. But she's lucky. She's lucky to be here and she can tell the story. And, yeah, 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 yeah. And how easy it can happen. Exactly. It's just yeah. how easy it can happen. Okay. And you've been involved. You've been around horses all your life, obviously. Have all you, Marcy? Life. Yeah. I have. Yeah. Okay. Listen, uh, to, uh, your GoFundMe page, how can people help support what you're planning to do? Uh, well, I can, um, I can forward in the GoFundMe link. Okay. I'm just hoping to all listeners that are listening to this, I'm just hoping that they will just anything, anything from 50 cents to whatever they can afford. It doesn't have to be a huge amount. Anything helps. OK, and under the GoFundMe page, it's it's Marcella, yeah. it's Marcella Murphy. Listen, we wish you luck with it, uh, Marcy. As I say, I've never come across it before. Somebody wanting to actually fundraise for a defib that you'll have in your Jeep and be travelling around uh, with it. Well done. Well done. It's Thank a, you so it's much. It's a fantastic uh, idea. Thank Good you. luck with it. And thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. All right, then. Good Thank morning you so to much. you. Bye-bye. Take Bye-bye. Care. Marcia uh, Murphy there, an, an equine instructor from Moorn Abbey. 1850-333-103. Bernie's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, recently we featured a fleet of 70 fishing boats who sailed into Cork Harbour to highlight the importance of and the struggle faced by by the Irish fishing industry. This morning, they're taking their protests to Dublin. And once again, joining me, uh, Patrick Murphy, CEO of the Irish South and West Fish Producers Organisation. Good morning to you, Patrick. Good morning again, Patricia. Uh, you're, well, you're very welcome. You've, you've you moved to Dublin uh, today. How many boats joined the flotilla? Well, you see, we had a small problem with the amount of vessels that came here, you know, because there was only certain facilities for a certain number. So we've a little less today. Around fifty-five boats. That's still a lot of boats. I saw some of the pictures. It looked, it looked um, quite stunning. When did you set out for Dublin? Yesterday. So we we lifted the bridge at ten uh, thirty last night, and we brought up the first number of vessels because of size, and we were back down again at four fifteen to bring up the rest. So very little sleep. Patricia, so I can, I can, no, no, you're, you're you're fine, and and people have come not just from Cork. Oh, every corner of the country, every size, just the boats themselves. When the small boats didn't come, we've the small people from those boats. The the, the pier is strong here. To be honest with you, it's a fantastic sight, and we're delighted that our politicians have come across to see us as well too, and take the message um, back to their colleagues in the in the parliament. You know. Now, remind listeners what you were asking the government for. You're not looking for handouts. Not at all. No, no. We're just looking for a fair share of the fish in our own waters. That's all. Look, this is... If if, if we look at it this way, Patricia, right? Um, if we go to France or Spain and see how much fish their fishermen have in their waters, we'll settle for that. We'll have no problem. Whatever they have, uh, if they get 
40-50%, you will be delighted with that as well too. Unfortunately, that's not the case. We have been the whipping boys of Europe for far too long. Just because um, historically fishermen used to come into our waters and take our fish, it doesn't make it right for them to make it legal to, to take it and put our men out of business. It's as simple as that. Well, like, this is going to hurt every single person in the country, like we've said before. Rural Ireland first, the coastal communities, and then the rest. We're going to lose 20% of the economic driver for the country from fishing, which is 200 million. BIM said we have a billion euros out of the fishing. If we can double what we had to 40%, which is not a lot, not a lot, that's an extra billion euros to each um, into the country for economic activity. There's a bit of an echo back in the No, you're here. okay. Yeah, you're okay. It's fine on this side. It's just on your side. And and besides what it is worth to the economy, there's. I read somewhere that there's 16,000 local people employed in fishing and processing. There's a lot of people employed in this industry. That's directly employed. I'd say there'd be an awful lot more if you took into the part-time jobs and everything else. This would destroy a lot of people. Look, you might have a fisherman that might be out for a month or two. But that month or two that he's fishing you know, on the inshore and small boat could be the difference of him surviving in the local community or not. You know, you would have a mechanic that might walk for a month or two on board the boat. So these are direct full-time jobs. But that, it's a way worse than that. When you start pulling at the thread and this knitted jumper, you're going to be left with just the sleeve. Yeah, and, you know, you, and you've crazy. got all those fishermen and their families and the, the money that they earn that's put into local economies. It's spent in the local shop. It's spent in the local pub, in the local post office. There's a massive knock-on here. Oh, absolutely. Look, I, I told the story before. I was talking to uh, a gentleman in my locality who used to own butcher shops. He was a butcher, and he had two shops in the Mizzen Peninsula. He's now travelling to Cork to do his business. He's in the building trade. So he had to close up his shops. And he told me himself personally that the reason why he closed up the shops was the last decommissioning schemes. The boats used to come in and buy enough meat for the week, you know, and there'd be 10 or 12 boats coming in. That was a solid uh, investment into his business. And the likes of that was enough to make the difference, to make it unviable for him to keep going in that business. So it doesn't have to be a complete wipeout. It just needs to be partial. And then you're, then it becomes a wipeout. And people have to understand this because they have to look in their coastal towns and villages and see the shops that are boarded up, the curtains that are there now instead of the wares that are in the shops. And it's not going to get any better. It's going to get worse. Yeah, and you, you're getting hammered on all sides, Patrick. I mean, you've got the quota cuts, there's the impact of Brexit, uh, and the EU common fisheries policy. You, you're just getting hammered at all sides. You just It's like our fishing industry, we're not getting, you're not getting any break. None at all, and it's being hammered on us more and more. To lose the right to send our fish to the factory without degrading the quality of them was the final straw, like, you know, to tell fishermen that you've spent hundreds of thousands on your boat now to put in refrigeration units and to make them ice makers that make ice. You have to get the water from outside in the Atlantic water inside in the ports and harbours because it's legally dictated. So, And then to be told, listen, when you come in, take the fish in the pier, shake the ice off the fish, put them into another box and weigh them. And not because they're not doing anything wrong, but because the system itself wasn't dealing robust enough to maybe prevent something from going wrong. Like, you couldn't make this up. The Taoiseach Micheál Martin met with your industry in Castletown Bear and Union Hall last weekend. How, how do you feel that meeting went? 
Well, the way I described that meeting now, why it was positive, is because the minister came in, the Taoiseach, sorry, my apologies, the Taoiseach and Christopher Sullivan came in and Tim Lumber to sit down with us on a one-to-one basis. So there was nobody saying, no, sorry, that's wrong, or you got this wrong, or questioning what we said, which normally happens when you have civil servants, whatever, in the room, you know. But that's what happened. He sat down with us and spoke to us on a one-to-one basis. And by doing this, he showed us that he wanted to learn what we were talking about, whether it's true or not. So he's got two sides of the story. We have to provide him with the proof of our side of the story. And it's unfortunate that is the case, by the way, that we shouldn't be fighting together because we're all in the one country. But that's the way it is at the moment. OK, so you're in you're in Dublin port now. What's the plan for the rest of the morning? Well, talking to your lovely selves here to try and get the message to the ordinary people out there that this affects them as well. We need this money into our country. We need the support for our fishermen. And the support we're looking for is the right to catch fish. Amazingly so. To let us work harder to help build our economy, to help repair the damage of COVID. Just to be given the right to do what every other fisherman in Europe is allowed to do. Catch a fair share of fish in their own water. Are many Dubliners um, interacting with you and talking to you and trying to find out what's going on? Do you know, they're scratching their head, anybody I'm talking to, because they can't believe it. They think it's like a science fiction novel. They can't understand how this was allowed to happen, that the fish, richest fishing grounds left in Europe now have the smallest share of the fish. We don't have any fish anywhere else in Europe, hardly. Genuinely. So it's crazy that we are being told, look, one in five of the boats we're showing you here now, lads, will be scrapped. And we were told 60,000 of the boats will be passed to scrap them. Can you imagine that, like? It, it makes no sense. Ah, stressful. It's dreadful. And, and of course, as we know, because of the type of industry it is, many of these boats, Patrick, have passed down to families. Oh, absolutely. And that makes it heartbreaking. It is, because, look, I, I met a man last night and I said, would you leave the industry? And if you leave the industry, uh, what will you get out of it? He says, I've spent 15 years of my life working and all I've got out of this boat has been death. If I pack it up tomorrow morning, I lose my boat, I lose my livelihood, and I end up with debt. Even though his boat might look as worth an awful lot of money and paper, it's only a tool for him to provide a living for his crew, his family, and for the crews and families of other uh, inside, inside in the coastal communities. And this is what the reality is. They're not going to get anything out of this. They, all they want to do is they want to keep fishing, keep the boat, do what they've learned since they were kids, passed on from generation to generation, and support Ireland, Inc. Okay, listen, stay safe. When are you expecting to leave Dublin to head back down to Cork? It'll be tonight, will it? Over, yeah, it'll probably be this evening, but like we, you know, we, we, we'll work on that. We'll see. We might be asked to speak in more shows and stuff like that. No, I better go up to me, Patricia, because listen, I'm other, I'm I know, other I know. And listen, listen, I'm really grateful to yourself. Well, to listen, it's, it's over and, and over and over again. Well, you know? and just to let you know, we're all behind you, and people are thinking of you, and just wishing you all the best, and hope that you do get listened to. As you say, you haven't gone to Dublin looking for handouts; you just want to be allowed to fish. Listen, stay safe, and we'll talk again, Patrick. Thanks, Patricia. Take care. God bless. Bye bye. Bye bye. Patrick Murphy, there, CEO of the Irish South and West Fish Producers, joining us from Dublin this morning, where there is the flotilla of boats, and they've come from all over. They've come not just from Cork, they're from Donegal, Galway, Louth, Wexford, Waterford, and they are all taking part in that uh, protest. And it's been supported by the six main fishing organisations. Just 
just wanted to be allowed to do what they have always done and what fishermen have done for tens of hundreds of years in this country just to be allowed to fish and fish in our own waters. 1850 Bernie's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 Don in the city uh, reacting to my interview with the fishermen who are protesting in Dublin says protests in Dublin will come and go but nothing will come of them. We need to have a nationwide stoppage of all work and we should do it in solidarity with the fishermen and with things like the Debenhams workers and what they went through. It might wake the government up if we had a nationwide stoppage. 1850 and then poor old Marion from Moy contacted us and she really was upset she is on a disability allowance but she's after getting a part time job and people on disability can work I think it says it up to 19 hours a week so she got herself a little part time job in Rathcormac and she says she's exempt from wearing a mask because she suffers from COPD she started her job on Monday so on Monday and Tuesday she went along from Moy she got on the bus no problem at all not wearing a mask but today two buses stopped and both of the bus drivers said no you can't get on the bus unless you're wearing a mask she says she has a hidden disability card she said she would use a visor but they're not for sale anymore and she's afraid now she's going to lose her job and she's very upset now she is after getting on to bus air and she's trying to uh, put in a, a complaint because she feels she's been discriminated against she also felt it was very embarrassing in front of other people to be refused entry onto the bus and she really really is upset about it and our other and by the way she is vaccinated um, but I know even when you're vaccinated when it comes to travel on buses and trains you still have to wear masks God knows how long will masks will be remaining with us but certainly they'll be with us uh, for some time now but I'm wondering are there others in the same boat as Mary? Now she says she is exempt from wearing masks and I'm wondering because I know in the early days we had people trying to get onto doctors and consultants to get a letter to say that they would be exempt from wearing masks for things like COPD which is a lung condition and I remember at the time a lot of our listeners were saying they couldn't get any consultant or any doctor to sign a letter saying it and they were saying no you're going to have to you know get used to wearing the mask or use a visor instead so I would and I know Mary said she can't get visors anymore so I'm wondering is that the solution to your problem Mary is to try and get your hands on a visor as I say she's in the Formoy area does anybody know are those visors still on sale as I say she's getting onto bus area but what's I think is most strange about the story is it seems to be it's at the driver's discretion obviously two of the bus drivers the bus driver on Monday the bus driver on Tuesday didn't have an issue but it was the two bus drivers today and obviously they're being told if you don't have a, a mask you or a mask is it and a visor you can't get on to the bus but she is really upset but is anybody else faced with that dilemma as well people who find it extremely difficult due to a health condition that they're not able to wear a mask and has anybody got an exemption She's she's got a hidden disability card but I don't know if a hidden disability card will exempt you from actually wearing a mask unless you have an actual some kind of a letter have you got some kind of a letter I wonder to state that you don't have to wear masks but but is anybody else facing problems with public transport and what advice would you give to Mary I mean the only advice I can think of is, is to get your hands on a visor even though she says that they just don't seem to be on sale anymore 1850 333103 and then here's a, a scam that poor old Mary in Mallow found herself embroiled in. She was scammed by, now it wasn't by Facebook, it was somebody on Facebook about a month ago. Her friend's Facebook was hacked and 
whoever hacked her friend's Facebook then contacted everybody as they often do they'll contact a lot of people if whatever account they're hacking they'll contact the, the friends on the list so she got this message from what she thought was genuinely coming from her friend who had asked her to buy 300 euro worth of Google Play cards which, which she did and she said by doing it the scam was you, you'll get a grant if you buy these 300 euro worth of Google Play cards but of course it was a complete scam suddenly then they were looking for her to buy another 500 euro then obviously she contacted the friend to say I've nothing whatever to do with that and she discovered it was a uh, scam uh, she says she now she, she obviously now has ended up with 300 euro worth of Google Play cards she said which have no use to her she says people need to be aware on Facebook be sure you know who you are talking to absolutely there are so many of those type of scams doing the rounds and getting calls in again from people this morning saying they're getting calls from the Gardaí hang up immediately uh, Noreen Bally Hay said her elderly friend got the call on her landline whoa hadn't heard it on a landline uh, before and it can be quite frightening for older people if they've somebody on the end of the line letting on that they've been from on Garda Corner but of course when they're from Angarda Siakona it's a recorded message but just to make people aware that they still are they still those calls are still doing the rounds Okay, a couple of people from Mary and from Moy who is very upset and embarrassed and feels she's been discriminated against because the bus driver wouldn't leave her on and she says she would wear a visor but she can't get her hands on a uh, visor uh, I bought a visor in Birmingham's in Fomoy I got it this morning so, so listen there you go Mary and Fomoy off you go to Birmingham's in for Moy, you can get your visor there, and at least when you turn up for the bus tomorrow, you'll have the visor on. And Joe and Amanway says hardware shops all sell uh, visors because anybody doing carpentry has to get you know special type of visor so so you could if you can't get the disposable ones that people have been using you certainly could try going into a hardware shop so certainly there there will be visors available for Mary because the ruling is if you check uh, that you must wear a mask when travelling on all public transport and it does seem to be at the discretion of the bus drivers but Mary wants to keep her little part-time uh, job so I think you're going to have to get if you can't if you really feel that you can't wear the mask you're going to have to get the visor somebody else is saying it was in Little and Little are selling those visors as well so those visors are still available whereas Mary was led to believe that they were gone Okay, John says, Patricia, is there a new air ambulance in Rathcool? I don't know. I didn't. I did a quick Google search to see. I know they've there's currently two air ambulances based at the airdrome in uh, Rathcool. Uh, when one is operation, there's only one operation at any one time. The other one though the, is always there on standby. I did see back in April that a newer, faster helicopter with a longer range capacity is due for delivery. But that's I was led to believe that's not due for delivery later in the year unless that has arrived. But certainly there. There are two air ambulances based there at the moment and what a wonderful service that is. And should we be reopening and are we reopening too uh, quickly? A listener says, we're all getting used to the term of saying, well, we this has started since the pandemic. We've put up with it this long. Maybe we need to put up with it for a little bit longer. Listener says, I know our economy is at an all time low, but when we hear people below the age of 50 and below the age of 60 who are fully vaccinated, while some of those above the age of 60 are not fully vaccinated, waiting on their second AstraZeneca shot. How safe are we really? I say delay the reopening until we're all fully vaccinated. And even then, 
great care will need to be taken. This virus is not going away. We have to learn to adapt and learn to live with that fact and we'll be living with it for a very, very long time says this very wise listener yeah it's not just suddenly going to disappear when will be people when will people with AstraZeneca be getting their second jab says another texter they're working through it they're working through it we're told in the ideal world you should get it eight weeks after your first jab I have heard of a number of people who are starting to get called this week and only yesterday I heard Marsha my daughter who was waiting on her second jab and she's 12 weeks this week she's getting it next week so she'll be 13 weeks uh, but in the ideal world, they're saying that it should be done within eight weeks. The last I heard from Paul Reid was he said by the 19th of July, everyone who's waiting on the second AstraZeneca will have received their jab. So where are we at the 23rd of June? So within the next four weeks, everybody waiting on a second jab should have uh, received it. Hi Patricia, I'm just wondering about the second jab of the AstraZeneca. I got my first dose and I'm in my 60s waiting to get my second but I heard yesterday that our second could be a Pfizer or Moderna. A friend of mine was told that we shouldn't mix vaccines even though some are saying it's a good idea. It just there isn't enough evidence yet about mixing the vaccines. Have I a right to refuse it if offered? I want to get the AstraZeneca one as my second jab. Well I can tell you straight away you won't be offered. There's, there has been talks that It was suggested that NIAC should look at offering Pfizer or Moderna as the second jab to people who got the AstraZeneca. They came back and said no. They felt that there wasn't enough evidence and they said no. As of now, they are proceeding with if you got a first AstraZeneca, then you're going to get a second AstraZeneca. So I don't think it's going to arise for you. It may be something that changes going forward, but certainly for now it won't. And even thinking about it, I don't even know if it will change going forward because when the AstraZeneca, by the end of June, when into July, when everyone has their second dose of AstraZeneca, we're not going to be using AstraZeneca in this country anymore because the EU have stopped the order with AstraZeneca. So going forward, certainly for boosters into the winter time, it's going to all be Pfizer and Moderna that people are going to be offering So no, when you get your second call for AstraZeneca, certainly at the moment they're not offering. There has been suggestions that they should do it, but NIAC have said no for now. So it's all AstraZeneca that's been offered as your second shot. Uh, Hi Patricia, when you say uh, what's happened in the UK with the um, Delta variant, they haven't closed indoors in the UK again. No, they haven't, but they put the brakes on. They were having what they were calling a Freedom Day where they were going to lift all of the restrictions, meaning they were going to get rid of social distancing. They were going to get rid of mask wearing. They were allowing unlimited numbers for indoor gatherings. They put a pause on that. And yes, they've been ahead of us on the indoor being open. They're certainly a good month to six weeks ahead of us on having indoor opened. And could that have something to do with the spread of the Delta variant, particularly among the younger people, even though if you've got loved ones living in England, you're probably aware that uh, 18 and 19 year olds now are being offered being offered vaccines. They're, they're push, doing a big push to get the vaccines into the younger people because that's where the spread of the Delta variant seems to be at the moment. We spoke about the COVID travel certificate uh, earlier. Uh, somebody says, Patricia, if you don't have a smartphone, 
not a lot of older people have smartphones including myself how are we going to get our COVID travel cert no when I said it's going to be issued to smartphones that's one of the suggestions that's been used at the moment the government are looking at how they're going to roll out the the COVID travel cert and the suggestion is the easiest way to do it would be in a smartphone and you'd get a, um, a QQR code on it it just makes it easier when you get to the airport you would just scan it you know the way people scan their boarding pass on their smartphones but absolutely the government know that everyone everyone doesn't have a smartphone. They're going to have to issue paper certificates as well for people that don't have access to a smartphone. Or um, Now I can't say people don't have access to an email because everyone needed to have an email, didn't they? The, uh, well, well, no, people who went over the phone didn't need an email. Anyway, there will be another way around it as well because they have everyone's postal address as well. So if you don't have a smartphone, there will be well, one of the suggestions, one of the ways they will issue the COVID travel cert will certainly be by uh, smartphone. Uh, I can see gardening questions coming in for Peter. Thank you for that. Hi Patricia, is it safe to buy books from a charity shop? I am a little apprehensive. Will it be okay? Thanking you. I've Listen, I've heard of lots of people who've bought books from charity shops and lots of people who've who've got books out from the library. It's the very same thing. And I think in the very early days of the pandemic, there was a lot of concern about COVID being physically on objects. But I think as we've moved through this pandemic there seems to be more and more evidence that it's more airborne rather than it's on an actual item uh, or not. I mean, I would always say to people, you know, and people are nervous and apprehensive and that's, that is very understandable. I mean, if you are a little bit apprehensive, what I would say is if you buy buy your book inside in the charity shop and it's great to read, to physically read a book, uh, bring it and obviously do everything that you're told to do about the hand hygiene when you're inside in any shop. Bring it home. Maybe leave the book aside. Maybe give it a wipe down if you want to with some disinfectant or maybe just leave the book. Leave it sit there for a couple of days just to make absolutely absolutely sure if there was any virus on it that it would be well gone because it wouldn't live on the surface of the book for for very long but I certainly think I wouldn't be in any way apprehensive about buying a book either from a charity shop inside in a new bookshop or indeed getting one out from the library 1850 Bernie's taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs a night porter and bar staff are wanted for Springford Hall that's outside of Mallow while a creche manager is wanted for Boherbui Educare Centre creche kitchen porter and delivery driver and counter assistants they all wanted to work in the Bandon area and a general operative is required for work in the North Cork area you'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more this is C103 you're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. And thank you. We've got some wonderfully kind listeners. I've got a lot of people saying that they have visors that they would be willing to pass on to Mary, who says that she couldn't get one. This was Mary who was refused to on the bus uh, to go to her part-time job today even though she got on the bus for the last two days and didn't have any problem but both bus drivers today uh, refused 
to uh, later on. We'll get back on to Mary to see if she wants us to put her in contact with any of the people who are willing to give her visors that they uh, have. But somebody else is making the point that people seem to be missing the point here. You wear the mask to protect other people. You don't wear the mask to protect yourself. But I think Mary's making the point that she's fully vaccinated and that she even showed her vaccination card to show that she was fully vaccinated in the hope that that would allow her on to the bus. 1850 333 103 uh, Bernie taking your call. Now, an advocate of the over 60s in Cork has raised concerns about the delay experienced by some people in that age group in receiving their second dose of the COVID-19. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Vaccine. Paddy O'Brien, well known for his work with the Over 60s Talent Show, joins me. Good morning to you, Paddy. Good morning, Patricia, and, and thanks for asking me on your program. Well, always a pleasure. Firstly, how are you doing yourself? Are you fully vaccinated? I'm fully vaccinated, thank God, and it's wonderful and it's great. And, I, you know, when I heard about the vaccination, we all took it in our stride. But then when we got the one, we were thrilled with ourselves. We got the second one. It's great. And, you know, I mean, I didn't realise there was going to be so, so, so much rejoicing amongst people. I know people who sent cards to their friends when they got the double vaccination. Absolutely, it's great, it's wonderful. So to answer your question, I'm doing great, thank God. Everything is grand and my health is great. And I'm back to back to not and, normal uh, living. Yeah, and are you getting out and about and trying to live now a normal life as you possibly can? I am. Yeah. I am, okay. but it's difficult with people. You know, people are very, 
I'll have to say this that obviously you used to tell me not a year and a half um, what that has done to people has changed people I can see people even their personalities especially those uh, Patricia those people who are living alone mm. who drink in the morning half to six seven o'clock a long 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 day they can't go out their friends can't visit them their sons can't visit them their grandchildren can't visit them and it takes a while again to adopt a job, quite honestly. But I do, I go out and, um, and I can. A lot of my time is spent every week spending nursing homes and putting on concerts in nursing homes. But I phone nursing homes every single day. There are always people in nursing homes I can telephone and contact them, have, have a conversation. I don't know in the last time I spoke to her not what a woman said to me. She was um, 98 years of age. When I, when I told her, I said about getting letters in the post. And she said, Paddy, the joy of getting letters in the post. No doctor can give you the medication to have that experience. Yeah. And now I'm sent to people, right to people, right to random people. You can write people, just news, news, news. I mean, news. But the fact, uh, the fact that more people are vaccinated now and fully vaccinated, uh, Paddy, people can vi- can start to visit older people now because the older person is vaccinated so they're safe. They can have somebody that's come into their house and visit them if they can't get out themselves. That's right. You know, and that, and, 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 and that, is, that is for sure. That is for sure. But regressively, uh, the point of it, which is people are still a bit nervous. I mean, yeah. I know people, Patricia, who are not qualified have had the vaccination, two vaccinations, and um, they haven't gone to mass. People who are very involved with the church, very, 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 very involved with the church. No, they're just that little bit nervous. So it was just going to take a while to resume what what we call back to normality again. And that's well, we that need to re- encourage people to get. Well, exactly, yeah. exactly. I'm just, I'm just going to follow up. We said that every neighbours played a tremendous role. I think throughout like, every part of the country, really making contact with them. And I think that elderly people should encourage elderly people to get off, off, go for a walk, meet other people. And as you've said already, and rightly so too, the double vaccination. The double vaccination, you have the double vaccination. But no, regrettably, mm. the situation is that there are people out there who are still waiting, who are under 60. And the only way I can describe it is this, that... When people were at home suffering on their own, especially people living on their own, the loneliness, the depression, the sadness, they were the experience they had every single day, and their lives were being destroyed, just destroyed. Now, they got the first injection, and it was a tunnel, a light in the tunnel, and it gave them great hope, hope, hope. I speak specifically now, but they're over 60. But they're waiting now, they're waiting, and they're here, of people who are in their 50s getting it. And a lot of them have most, have gone back to the same humor, the same way they were when things were bad. And that's, that, that is regrettable. And that's why I wrote that after in the paper last week, that um, people are back sad again, they're depressed again, they're lone, lonely again. And I, I said, what responsibility so should speed things up so that the people in their 60s are as equal to their vaccination as the people in their 50s. Yeah, and they're watching younger people. I know we're getting a lot of calls in about it here. They're watching younger people uh, in their in their 40s and 50s. And we're even hearing from people in their 30s who are starting to get vaccinated. But they're, they're watching younger people in their 40s and 50s fully vaccinated. Uh, and that's frustrating for them as well, isn't it? It is. It, it, it's... <laughs> 
very frustrated. It's very frustrating because you can't equate what the people over 60s, what they experience through the loneliness and the sadness and being confined indoors. Uh, you can't... The young people didn't experience that because the people now in their 30s and 40s were double vaccinated. Those people were working. They were out meet, 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 meeting, meeting, meeting friends and the situation was this and that. The people really suffered. But the older, were the older people and I know that they, when, when they must all be vaccinated, but uh, and they, and they, and they're looking after the, the younger people, who call them out the younger people, and right here so too. But I, I would say that they want more, um, I'd like to see more concentration in finishing off with the over 60s completely, rather than having people. Okay, we have, we have Paul Reid of the HSC saying that 450,000 people, the majority of those in their 60s waiting on a second jab, they'll all be done within five weeks, July the 19th. Is that is that good enough? It is, yeah. But re- regrettably, uh, about four or five weeks ago, I did another article with uh, Breeding Grahan at the Echo, and I was told the same thing: five weeks. And you're still, and you're still gone. waiting. It'll, yeah. it'll be true this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know we're certainly hearing from people to say that that they are starting and to get caught. The can, other one, the other question, Paddy, that you may have an answer to that we're getting a lot of calls in. Any indications when day centres? will start to reopen. Yeah, yeah, I have, uh, well, I have. Uh, the day centres will commence uh, the weekend of July the 5th. They commence Ju- July the 5th. That's going to be part, if if that reopening goes ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the last, the last step in the Mihon Martin made there about uh, three weeks, three or four weeks ago at uh, um, RT, and he spoke about, um, that was one of the restrictions in this and that was accepted people were thrilled, thrilled, thrilled. That, uh, he said, it would, uh, and I, that what, uh, what he actually said was this, that they were going to open with no day until I contacted his office, and they confirmed then that it was the commencing July the 5th, and hopefully he thought that they, they went, because um, the home health, or the home health, sorry, the, the daycare centres, like people have no idea what what that what that outlet means to elderly people. For many elderly people, they have, they have no other social outlet what whatsoever, none at all at all. And that the the, the, the um the daycare central is the only is the only is the only place is the only yeah, place yeah. that. Okay, so hopefully, hopefully from uh, July the fifth. Okay, listen, uh, Paddy. In the meantime, you look after yourself and stay safe. And everyone looks forward to the over sixties talent show being please, back please, up and running. But please, <laughs> God, I was distancing. I was to have it over the second year on the twenty sixth of July, but regrettably no, had to cancel no. as well. But as I always say to, the, to all your senior students listening around the country, and especially to the winner down in Kilbrin, uh, more done. Um, we'll, 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 we'll rock and roll again. Yeah, we'll be back bigger and better. Thanks for that, Paddy. Look after I, yourself. Thanks, Thanks for joining us, uh, Paddy O'Brien, on behalf of the over 60s waiting for their second AstraZeneca shot. To the lady who is worried about buying, is it safe to buy books inside in, in a charity shop? She's a little bit apprehensive. Uh, Burr in the city says, all donations into charity shops are quarantined for two days before they're put on sale to make sure, if God forbid, that they arrived in with any kind of a virus or bug or germ on them that they'd be well gone by the time they're, they're put out for sale so that should allay the fears of the lady who was worried about that thank you for that uh, bar to 0862 103 103 Record today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850 333 103
Now, while the health authorities continue to get as many people as possible vaccinated, there are people all over the country who are battling with what is now known as long COVID. Lillian Courtney, who hails from Mayfield, she's a singer and a full-time life coach. She's also a mother of three and she's battled the effects of COVID since her diagnosis in January. And Lillian Courtney joins me. Uh, She did join me and then she's gone. Okay, can we get Lillian back on the line? She's in a bad area in Connemara and we had her on a good phone line and everything was perfect so we will let uh, li- we'll see if Bernie can get uh, Lillian back on to us. Uh, Marion Carrigaline says she was in Kinsale yesterday and she wants to let people know that the public toilets are absolutely perfect. They were the ones that have been in an awful state before and she said they're absolutely perfect now. So to anybody visiting Kinsale, don't be afraid to go into the public toilets because they're absolutely uh, perfect. That's uh, terrific. Okay, I'm told Lillian should be with me now. Uh, Good morning, Lillian. Good morning. Uh, You're very very welcome. I know you're in the beautiful wilds of Connemara. So... Beautiful here. So hopefully the signal will be okay. Okay, so just don't move. The line is perfect at the moment. Okay, I need you to take me back to when you were first diagnosed and what were your early symptoms like? Well, it was January and I, you know, had started getting a headache. And first of all, I suppose I noticed that my taste and um, and smell, that was the first indication of, you know, of really that you actually have it because the smell and taste um, just was gone. And I felt extremely tired. So I went for the test. And um, I went to the doctor, and then I went for the test, and it was positive. So I locked myself away for 10 days. And, you know, I felt after that, you know, during that time, it was unbelievable, because I... I hadn't the breathing. I'll go out here one second. I'll go out here. Sorry. Okay. The car is full. <laughs> okay. I hadn't, I, what actually happened is that I had, um, you know, breathing, but not to a sense where I had to get oxygen. Um, the Woodview family doctors, they were so good because what they actually did was that there was a doctor and he rang me genuinely like uh, five days in a row to see how I was and they put me on steroids because steroids because I couldn't breathe but I had um, uh, and they helped me but I had a fever and I was had a fuzzy head you know like as if you were literally after being given an anaesthetic that's how tired I was for the 10 days and after the 10 days then kind of things seemed to calm down but then I got shingles I had never had anything like that before because I would have been walking every day and I would eat very healthy and that's what I was saying and I was so uh, I was actually so careful that going in the door I even had you know hostess everywhere please wash your hands and everything everywhere so that's what I was saying like how did we get it and did and you ever did you ever reckon you worked out how you how you got it I genuinely you see where where what happened was that my sister got it then my son got it but my husband was the only one that didn't get it in the house it was so strange, you know. Yeah. But, um, but this was this was January, so this was just after Christmas when that Kent variant sort of ripped through the area, didn't it? Yeah, it was it was just crazy because obviously we hadn't been out anywhere, and my sister hadn't been out 
for months and she just got into the car and drove from Dublin. Do you know what I mean? She mm. hadn't been anywhere. And um, so then I had got the shingles and after that then kind of, you know, it, it, you know, I didn't feel too bad. And in May, was it March? No, it was in March then, eight, March and April. I kind of was tired and then all of a sudden I'd get a burst of energy. But the, 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 the me that I knew, I just felt... Sometimes I have to just, you know, lie down, run to the couch and anesthetically fall asleep. Yeah, people talk about an unnatural tiredness, one that they have never experienced before. Yeah, that's it. Because that's how the only way that I could explain it is that if you ever went in for an operation or any kind of a test, you got an anesthetic and you're just gone. That's why I was saying, you know, so deep that you fall asleep and you say, oh, my God. How did this happen? Do you know? But so, how is, was that affecting your life then? Well, I'm. I miss. Well, my my job as a professional um, singer uh, that hadn't affected it, it because the fact that all of COVID, everything was closed down, and my office was closed um, for business and life coaching. But the only thing that actually genuinely kept me um, going, I suppose, at that time to keep my mind occupied because I'd be quite active, was that I started um, a show called the Tier 3 show and it's 15 months now and it's on every day at 3 o'clock and, you know, it was helping people during isolation and coming up on a Monday with an idea and a challenge even to actually clean a drawer, you know, for, I'd say to people, you know, you need to, you know, do something now and then we'd stick every single day and we'd have a chat and, you know, people from England and all over the place and everywhere they start joining it and even to this day now like I today I'll do tea 3 but only for 10 minutes because I'm on holidays yeah and it's just a little motivation I've seen some of them they're excellent they're just little they're little motivational talks and just to, and 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 god knows we all we've certainly needed it during the pandemic but we you know, like we continue to need that little bit yeah. of motivation and, you know, like this lady, one of the, the other day, she just found out about it and she joined and she just said, you know, I do kind of, I might, I might sing sometimes. First, we started with an hour and then we kind of were singing and chatting and doing a bit of exercise and doing all different things, you know. And then um, this lady joined last week or the week before. But she said that, you know, it has changed her life because she looked forward to three o'clock, even though it might be only half an hour or 20 minutes or whatever because the people are going back to work and stuff like that. Well done, well done. And it certainly kept it certainly kept you going. So here we are coming to the end of June. Uh, how are you now feeling? Do you, I, do, do, would you say you're now fully recovered? Well, um, just in May then, sorry, but just going, going slightly back a small bit, was it in April then um, I didn't feel well at all. So... I went to the doctor and they thought I had a clot because they were worried about clots and stuff. But it was a, a slight fractured rib caused from coughing. My God. <laughs> so I would say, what next? But now I feel really, I feel perfect now. You know, okay, you might get the occasional tiredness, but it's nothing like, nothing at all like it was. But, um, yeah, I feel really, really way, way better now and I'm kind of back to myself and I'm able, I, you know, I'm able to... I do, I feel way better. That awful, horrible thing has lifted off, you know? The sense of taste, Lillian, has that come back? On one side, it's not. It's so, on one side of my tongue. There's just no taste whatsoever. 
but I, ca- I have uh, my sense of smell back. Great. But, but sometimes the weirdest thing you could, um, you know, like my taste, I wasn't a chocolate person. I would eat, um, like if you offered me a slice of toast and butter, I'd take that and I wouldn't take chocolate. Yeah. You know, I wasn't a savoury person, but, but it's completely changed. I, I, and Isn't that strange? I was, mis- I was Mrs. Doyle where tea was concerned. Yeah. Before the Ted. Yeah. Like there was tea going all day, pots of tea going all day. That's probably where tea of th- tea of three came from because I loved tea, but I can't actually, Patricia, even pass it. You know, if you were pregnant and you had this thing against something, yeah, look at a cup of tea. Isn't I, that bizarre? Yeah, bizarre. I can't even look at it. Yeah. So, so, the, so the, the tea is the tea is gone, but at least the taste is is coming back. Did did a doctor at any stage say to you, Lillian? Yes, you have long COVID. Well, um, we were. I was at the doctor, as I said, um, a few. When was it? About three weeks ago. Uh, again, you know, just to make sure that everything was okay, you know. And then they sent me for uh, a brain scan. You know, just because they checked my heart, they checked my lungs, they were so good, you know, and the, I must say that, you know, I know that we have problems with the health sector and everything, but I, I was treated so well during all this time, I have to praise them, you know, but they checked my heart, it was perfect, they checked my lungs, and every part of me was checked, and thanks to God, I got a great NCT, good. and um, so now, uh, the last thing now is just to make sure that, you know, everything is okay, but I feel fine. And, you know, yes, we were talking about that kind of, I suppose we were saying, you know, it's long, the whole COVID, that's what was mentioned, you know. Mm. Because um, some people are really battling, really, really struggling. And, you know, we've interviewed people uh, over the last year who haven't even been able to go back to work. They've they've been so debilitated. So it looks like you're coming out the other side, which is terrific. But from it's taken from, as you say, the initial diagnosis in January to the end of June. You know, that's a that's a long, long journey back. Yeah. And I genuinely said. I remember in April and May, well, May, first May, I was coming back. And then it came back again, do you know? And yeah. I was like, oh, God, like, because, do you know, I love the stage and I love being out and I love meeting people. But after tier three, I'd get all dressed up for tier three. Well done. You know? And then after tier three, I'd be dead. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. But listen, it kept you going. And it certainly kept other people going. And I think your positive attitude has a lot to do with your recovery as well. Yeah, I think I did say, I did say one day, I said, tough look now on this COVID. I said, I've enough of you now. You know, that type of way. <laughs> You've picked and, uh, on the wrong person here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I must say that, um, that it was very, you know, it, it, I, I was saying to myself, am I getting old? Uh, what's happening? Maybe, you know, especially when... You know, when people that I knew would, who weren't healthy, you know, hadn't got it. Mm. And I would think, oh, the hell is this after happening? Because I had been so careful. Ah, listen, listen I, I've I, heard I, of more people who were so careful and no way of knowing. <laughs> and then you look at some people who weren't as careful and they didn't get it at all. And you're questioning, how did they manage to, to escape? But it's one of those it's one of those mysteries that we will live with, I think, forever when it comes to this virus. And tell me about the singing, Lillian. When, um, any indication when you hope to be back to that? I couldn't believe it, Patricia. I swear I was so happy because 
first of all, I said to myself, I don't think I'll be able to go down the country or anywhere anymore like that and drive home at two and three in the morning. So I said, I'd like to stay around town and uh, fair due to uh, one of the, the guys from one of the bars that I sing in. Uh, he rang me yesterday and he gave me September, December and Little Women's Christmas for next year. Well done. Well done. The bookings are in. The bookings yeah. are in. Listen, I, I, I appreciate because I know you're on your holidays. I'll let you get back to your holidays and enjoy it. Uh, and I really do appreciate you taking time out to talk to us uh, today. Continue good health to you, Lillian. And thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is the lovely Lillian Courtney and her journey uh, living with COVID. 1850 Bernie taking your call. Uh, we were talking with the fishermen protesting. Pat reckons people in their 60s need to march to Dublin uh, to highlight the need for their second COVID jab. And in Bantry says, Patricia, is tonight bonfire night? Thanking you. Yes, it is. Actually, this came up on the programme uh, last week. Tomorrow is St. John's Day. So bonfire night is on the eve of St. John's Day. And actually, with that in mind, somebody earlier got a text in good and early this morning to say, Dune Peter Graveyard and Holy Well. It's a historic amenity in Glenville. And tonight, St. John's Eve, a pilgrimage is being led by the parish priest from the Holy Well entrance gate to the graveyard and the Holy Well. The event will start at 7pm and an event that's been happening for hundreds of years in the parish. They are trying to promote this valid amenity in the Glenville area. After the procession there will be a small, socially distant bonfire in the village of Glenville and all are very welcome. Okay, so in the Glenville area tonight it kicks, that starts, that event starts at 7 o'clock with that uh, pilg- that the pilgrimage to, led by the parish priest, to Dune Peter Graveyard and Holy Well and that's all part of uh, St John's Eve. As she's staying with the church uh, Massey was on earlier to say Patricia well done to the priest in Dublin for raising the pride flag as his church uh, Massey says I'm not gay but a great friend of mine came out to me as gay in very distressing circumstances and is now at one with himself after some amount of uh, counselling they say relationships are between a man and a woman in the eyes of God but nobody knows for sure how Jesus would actually feel about it and actually that parish priest that was in Bally it's in uh, Bally Farmet. and actually there's going to be a solid Solidarity event held on Friday because that priest and the church faced a huge backlash for displaying the pride flag. It's the Ballyfermot Assumption Parish. They raised a pride flag alongside the Irish flag at the entrance to the church. The local parish priest there is a gentleman by the name of Father Adrian Egan and he spoke at Mass on Sunday and he said the reason he was flying, flying the flag, the pride flag, he said, it's a sign that everyone is welcome. During a meeting of the parish council, Father Egan said they were conscious that LGBTQ plus people living in the local community and their families had expressed their feelings of hurt and exclusion when it comes to the church. So he said, we wondered, was there anything we could do to send out a message to them that God loves them? So we decided that we had two flagpoles outside the church and we'd put up the two flags. One would be the Irish flag and the other would be the rainbow flag. He said, maybe just seeing them, it might become a visual sign from outside that they are being remembered and that I am being lifted up in God's house. Maybe I am welcome here. And an image of the flag then, of course, went up on the parish Facebook page saying, God's house, your home, all are welcome in this place. Now, the flag has subsequently have to, had to be taken down. I think 
if, if I'm not mistaken, I'm sure I read something yesterday that, that the diocese, I think, got involved and they were told to take the flag uh, down. But there's so because of that, anyway, the good people of Ballyfermot are going to let's be interesting to see what numbers turn out because obviously with social distancing and all that and COVID restrictions, but there's a lot of people backing Father Adrian Egan and what he decided to do. And Massey here in West Cork saying fair dues to him, it was a great thing for him to do. Thank you for that, Massey. Now, I had uh, there's so many texts coming in, I want to bring this one to you. This is a WhatsApp that came in earlier. This is an, a nice, this is a word of warning to people to do with scams. This is from someone who doesn't want me to call out her name but it's fine. It is a listener in uh, Ballinadee to say, Hi Patricia. I received a scam phone call yesterday on my landline. I thought that I was reasonably good at recognising scam artists but this guy really got me. I had just come in from work so I was a bit tired, a bit hungry so my alertness wasn't at its best. He called on the landline, asked me to get my mobile phone and said somebody was using my internet for illegal activities and he, the individual speaking to me, could protect me from anyone using my mobile phone internet for illegal purposes. He said he was from cyber security. He asked me to go to the Play Store to go on to the application search, type for quick support and a team viewer app came up. He asked me to install this. When that was installed, he asked me to give him the identification number from it that was on the screen of my mobile phone. Guess what? I did this. Because he was asking me about the app on my phone and I was following the instructions and the use of the app, I thought this must be okay. What I didn't realise was that he was getting me unknowingly to open a way for my phone to be used remotely by him. With this use of my phone, he may then have access to all of my other apps, to all of my phone numbers and anything else that was on my phone. I did start to get a little bit suspicious though because his tone and his manner wasn't the best. When the call ended, I started to feel a little bit uncomfortable. So I contacted Air, my mobile phone provider, also straight away contacted my bank and the Gardaí. Now I removed the app from my phone on instruction from a lady I spoke with on the 24 hour fraud prevention among other services line from my bank. If I didn't have the app installed on my phone then the scam artist having opened up a way of remotely using my phone wouldn't be able to gain access to all of the information by uninstalling the team viewer app from my phone. His connection to using my phone was caught but could you please call it out and mention it today to listeners about this scam, ask them not to open any application if asked to do so over the phone by someone they don't uh, know. Goodness, there's a cautionary tale. And actually I've come across it before. We had a listener in the North Cork area that it happened to the Guardian, everything were involved and while she was downloading this app and the scam artist straight away got access to her online banking and by the time she realised it was a scam three and a half thousand euro had been taken out of her bank account so well done to this listener who unwittingly got sucked in by the scam artist but you moved very quickly and you stopped any money coming out of your account but they are just so clever and so convincing as well so just be very very aware when you're answering calls from particularly from people that you don't know and people letting on to be a member of the Gardaí, letting on to be a member of Social Protection, letting on to be from your bank. Just hang up immediately. And if you think it might have been a genuine call, then use a number that you know, be it for your bank or get onto a local Department of Social Welfare office or get onto your local Gardaí and find out for sure. That is certainly the best advice. And that's the advice that we have been giving out now for quite some time. Okay, a lot of questions 
coming in for Peter. Thank you for that. Uh, he'll be joining us after half past 12 uh, today. Somebody says, Patricia, does anybody know the Castletown Roach car boot sale? Does anybody know when that is going to start up again? I don't know. Anybody involved in the Castletown Roach car boot sale? Are any of the car boot sales? Are any of them back up and running? If anybody can help us with that, please do. 1850-333-103. Johnny McCroom says, Patricia, do you know if the Department of Health or Neffet have said how the Delta variant arrived into this country? Well... We don't do that kind of contact tracing to get right back to pinpoint exactly where it came from. But I'm I'm assuming they know it had to come in on a traveller. I mean, I don't think it flew in itself. It came in. Somebody entered the country, not knowingly, but somebody arrived back from maybe maybe just across the water in the UK. I came from a country where the Delta variant was already and brought it in. And that's how all of the variants uh, arrived. And then on the wearing of masks, remember Mary, and who was quite upset she wasn't allowed onto the bus this morning and because she didn't have a mask on, even though the last two days she got on the bus without a mask uh, because she has a dispensation and she actually has a badge that says she doesn't have to wear a mask because she's a hidden disability. She's COPD. Somebody says, Patricia, masks are worn for self-protection as well as other person's protection, scientifically proven for COVID, as well as for many other reasons. For example, when you're out spraying weed uh, killer, you wear a mask so as not to inhale the droplets or the spray. It isn't worn to to protect the slugs or the snails or any other person who might be on the scene. People need to use their common sense. Just sort of think of a thing. Think it through logically. Come up with a sensible, reasonable conclusion that holds water, as it were. I suppose the lady on the bus is protected because she does have her vaccine but and she should have been left on the bus if she could show her vaccination card. But I didn't hear why she wa- was refusing to wear a covering. Those on the bus deserve reassurance as to her safety too. I suppose maybe she should wear the vaccination badge. Well, she's COPD. She says she's a hidden disability and she has one of those, you know, those lanyards you can get with the sunflowers on it. If you ever see anybody with a lanyard around their neck with sunflowers on it, it means that they have a hidden disability. You'll often see them at the airports. She has one of those and she has a badge attached to that that says she has a hidden disability and it says on it she's exempt from wearing masks. Now, should she have that honour all the time in the bus so that other people on the bus can see it as well? Probably yes. But for whatever reason today, two bus drivers refused point blank to allow her to get on to the bus. 1850 333 103. Bernie's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With the new Explore Cork app, a Cork County Council initiative featuring over 850 places to see and things to do. The Fun Bar Challenge that's aiming to raise money for the Clef Lip and Palette Association of Ireland. Fundraising continues up to the end of August with events including a 100k mountain trail run in Uzbekistan, a 30-hour two-day hike in Scotland and there's a team of 29 cycling a combined distance of 3,000 kilometres in Doha. So it's a worldwide event. You can support by donating on their GoFundMe page which is the Fun Bar Challenge 2021. Kildallery Community Development, they've got their lottery draw tomorrow afternoon at four. That's in the community office with the jackpot this week, €2,100. And still time to get involved in Castle Lines, Coolagown, Brishway Development. They're holding a golf classic on Friday of this week. It's on in Formoy Golf Club, 
teams of three. It's a champagne scramble. For bookings, please contact Don at 086 803 4771 or Portrait at 087 339 1212. And this week's home bingo books are now on sale for the Kindalery Bingo Group in all of the usual outlets. Each week, you're given the chance to win one of their five full houses of 50 euro and they have a snowball prize which this week stands at €1,500. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 And a curious listener wants to know, does anybody know why RTE cameras were in Butterfant last Friday? Has <laughs> anybody in Butterfield last Friday did you spot RTE cameras? What were they doing there? A listener wants to know. And then another says, Hi Patricia, I've been called for my second AstraZeneca vaccine, but I have to travel to Dublin because I'm medically vulnerable and that's where I got my first dose. So I've been called back there for my second shot. Now, while Irish Rail do an absolutely great job, says this texter, booking online is totally unfair on anyone travelling to a hospital appointment because you never know what time you're going to get finished at. Surely allowances should be made for that. Yeah, I, w- I, I would agree. And the only thing is I would say, um, and I'm assuming you're, when you went for your first AstraZeneca, it ran very smoothly. Any of those vaccine clinics, normally when you have a time slot, you're in and you're, in and you're out, there isn't that many delays. But I agree, if you're going to a hospital appointment to go see a consultant, or you, there can be huge delays that you never know. Maybe you could contact Irish Rail and see if they can offer you some flexibility on the ticket. But I agree that surely some allowances for a situation like that uh, should be made. Uh, thank you for your text and good luck with your second vaccine. Now, let me go to the phone lines. Carmel joins me. Uh, good afternoon to you, Carmel. Good afternoon, Patricia. You were the lady we were talking about yesterday because you had a bit of... Uh, you got to, What happened to you yesterday was just really, really unfortunate. OK, it was your son and a driver theory test. That's correct, Patricia. Um, I travelled from Cork yesterday. My son had an appointment for three o'clock up in Clonmel Driving Theory Test Centre. And we arrived up, uh, we left at 20 past 12 from Cork, and we arrived up at 20 to 2. I parked the car in O'Connell Street. It's just across from the Ulster Bank, uh, where the theory test centre was to go ahead at 3 o'clock. He was to be there half an hour earlier, which he was. He received um, an email stating to be there for half two. His appointment was at 3 o'clock. He paid the uh, fee. Uh, which was €45. He was on a four-month waiting list for this test yesterday. And when we arrived there, the entire centre was closed. Now, there was another couple also that were there from Cork, um, uh, a lady and a gentleman. They had a young baby and a buggy. Um, I presume the baby might have been a year and a half old, a toddler, and they were absolutely frustrated the same as I was. Um, it's a, an absolute disgrace that um, money has been taken from people. Apparently, this has happened previously as well because there's a bin department that was upstairs um, above the theory test centre and we asked the lady in there, um, did she know, was anybody around all day? She said, apparently, this has happened a lot before as well. No, hang on. You, I, I know Clonmel because obviously I'm I'm from Clonmel. You yep. were you were in the middle of town. You were in in, on, in, parked, O'Connell, Street, in O'Connell Street. Exactly. I I parked there. You know, you get your pay and display. Yeah, um, and and, and, yeah. and where do, where do you say the NDLS centre is? Uh, the Ulster Bank. It's on the first floor. The driver theory test centre. Uh, that was the email that we got. 
um, and to attend there at half two and half an hour prior to his appointment, yeah, which yeah. was at three Because when, yeah. when I googled the NDLS centre, it says it's out in the Gartner Floor Business Park, which is out the Powerstone Road. Has it for moved? The, for the theory test centre, there was no notification on the door. Uh, we never received a phone call. I'm not aware of any uh, movement of the test centre. Okay, and, 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 and the address no. that the address you had, what, yeah. what it said it, it said it was where you were. Exactly. Yeah, it's okay. the first floor Ulster Bank. O'Connor oh yeah, that's Street, okay. Channel. All right, because it's obviously. Oh yeah, it is. It's sorry, you're right. It's the the other is where you go to get your driving license. They they have them in two yeah, in two separate different. places. Okay. Because yeah. we rang today to try to get through NDLS first. Yeah. Said we had to get onto the RSA, and they came back and said, uh, uh, "Oh, you must have been ringing at the wrong doorbell or knocking on the wrong door." But well, you, there's, you only reckon door. there's only one door in. There's only one door and there's a physiotherapist um, that's on that door as well. Um, you go up uh, a flight of stairs and on it is written Driver Theory, Theory Test, Test Centre. Yeah, first floor, yeah. Ulster Bank. Yeah, first floor, yeah. Ulster Bank. Yeah, yeah, you're in the right place. You're in the right yeah. place. And you yeah. went in and you, you said it was locked. It was locked. The, the lights were off. Um, the entire place was locked. Um, the other lady, as I, was frustrated um, with her young child and her partner. Um, they arrived early as well. We walked. He walked under the camera where it would have uh, proven that we were up there, as well as my parking ticket yeah. that I was up there. I also rang Clonmel Guard Station. Okay. Um, I spoke to one of the Bangardas. I won't mention her name, but she just said, um, as it's out of their hands, it was a civil matter. Um, she told me to take a photograph of the building, um, but we were on our way back to Cork at that point. Uh, I did wait for an hour and a half after, kept ringing the number, the 043 number, as stated for the Clonmel Driver Theory Test Centre, to no avail. There was no answer. No answer. I tried um, the complaints number, uh, the 1800 number, no satisfaction at all, no email, no phone call, no text, nothing to say, you know, we're sorry. Um, that's just not, know, that's just not good enough. Nothing. It really is just not good enough. And well, you've, he heard, at, and you've yeah. heard nothing since? You've heard I've no- heard nothing since. I tried that number again this morning, Patricia, the 043 number for the centre in Clanmel and to no avail. And then my, my poor son is, he's 18 yeah, he was, as I said, waiting for four months to even get the test in the first place. He uh, downloaded the app. He paid out money for that. I had to take a day off work. Um, my younger son had to come with me as I'm a single mom. He had to take a day off school. I had to fork out extra expenses for the petrol, the toll bridge, yeah, you know, going yeah, up yeah. the parking ticket, as well as the €45. Euro. And it's an absolute disgrace to think that our country has come to and this And the other stage. thing, and I know people are saying, why would somebody from Cork be going to Clonmel for a driver theory test? But that's because... You be- because of the waiting list. Yeah, the waiting yeah. list for Cork was a year and a half. So my son did his research and he came upon Clonmel as a shorter waiting list. So hence, that's why he went for Clonmel. And the other lady with her partner as well. He was going for Clonmel for the same reason. You yeah, know? but sure, we had somebody a few weeks ago trying to desperately in the same situation as you to get her son and uh, she and she got through to them she actually got to speak to somebody and he's yeah. he they got offered mayo at, at nine o'clock in the morning to be up in mayo 
I mean, just oh ridiculous. And that was for the 23rd of July. That wasn't even like, oh, we can give it to you next week. OK, I'm yeah. going to I'm going to put you back out to Bernie because Bernie was definitely speaking to somebody today who is okay. a, who said absolutely Clamel was open yesterday and we were saying, yeah. I don't think so because it wasn't, it wasn't just yourself, Karma. There was somebody else as well. So we'll see if we can get the number. I get Bernie to pass the number on to you and, and let you great. speak to somebody so that you can talk about what you went through yesterday and we'll stay in contact with you. That would be great. Yeah, it would be great to get some satisfaction out of this and not to repay again, like, you know, because, I mean, one fee is enough, Well, absolutely, one fee is enough and they need to reschedule your son's theory test ASAP because he's all the work done for it as well. God help him. Exactly. Okay, stay on the line there and I'll put you back out to uh, Bernie and I'll let Bernie. That's just, that's dreadful to to got to, to actually got there and then for it just for no one no one there uh, at all uh, and somebody saying why, why doesn't that kid do the th- theory test online They're, you're not able to you can I think if it's a van or a truck some of the other testing there's there's big talks about putting them online but they still haven't do- and done it yet and in the meantime we have something like 100,000 people waiting desperately to try to get a theory test but to wait six months and then to turn up pay and there's nobody there yeah, the, the door is locked we'll keep you informed on how uh, Carmel gets on with that story 1850 Bernie's taking your calls you can text our WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 Gardening on C103 with Bandon Co garden centres in Bandon, Kinsale and Enniskeen. For top quality plants, advice and value think Bandon Co-op Garden Centres. C103 before I go to Peter, just very briefly, when we were talking with Carmel and the theory test and what happened to her son, uh, Brian says, Patricia, you can do the theory test online. My daughter has one booked for two weeks time and my niece actually did hers uh, this morning online as well. And yes, uh, you are right. The NDLS theory test is online. It's on a pilot. It's on a limited uh, basis. It's on a pilot phase online testing. So I don't know what the capacity is like as it's uh, limited capacity at the moment, even though extra capacity can be rolled out. So that might be an option for Carmel's son who was so disappointed yesterday. Now, Peter joins me. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Patricia. I'm, How are you? I'm, ver- I'm very well and you're very welcome. And I want to start with an email that was sent in to us by Margaret. And I know uh, Bernie forwarded on to you with the pictures, but it's lovely. Uh, she writes, uh, I've been following your gardening slot on the programme. Three years ago, I moved to my house and I had grass front and back. I decided to bring some small and colour back into the back garden. It was a labour of love and I followed the Irish gardener, i.e. Peter, for hints and tips. This year, I give gifted half my front garden to the bees and the butterflies. I got wild seeds from Peter with instructions and followed videos on what plants and flowers that will give me colour and food for the bees and the butterflies. Many sore muscles later, I'm happy with the achievements. And she sent on wonderful photographic evidence. You've seen it, obviously. I have. I'm looking at it here in front of me and I was I was getting to the end of it and I said, there's no question. And I said, oh, that's lovely. She took the time and effort just to send um, yeah. send in the mail. And the pictures are lovely and it's a really lovely garden. And it shows that it can be done. Oh, even in sm- the smallest of spaces, it can be done. And it's it's so important that that like the garden, it's all part of the tapestry and we just have to be conscious in the garden. I don't think anybody act, wants to actively damage the outdoor space. But a lot of what we're doing is doing just that by using chemicals and not necessarily using the right plants and things like that. But what this proves is that just with a small bit of knowledge and a small bit of homework, you can have a lovely looking garden 
uh, that is beneficial to the bees and other pollinators. Mm. And, and they are so, so important. OK, question in for Peter, please. The leaves on my laurel hedge are curling in and there is a white powdery stuff on them. What should I do? I wonder, is it a powdery stuff or is it what looks like a powder, which is actually millions and millions of little aphids, their little white fly, because aphids, when aphids attack a plant, they feed, aphids are like a tiny fly, Trish, and they, they're, they're, they're sap suckers, so they, they get on the underside of the leaf and they start feeding on the sap, you know those little veins that are going through the leaves, uh, and they feed on the sap, so that just forces the leaf to curl up. Uh, and I would say from the sound of it, that's more likely what, what it is. It, it, it could be a white powder, which could be a, 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 a powdery mildew, which is a fungal infection, but that doesn't tend, not, that doesn't tend to, to make the leaves curl up. They go more brown and yellowing from that. I would say it's an aphid, and in which case, uh, you know, if possible, just prune the worst of the shoots off, if that's practical. I don't know how practical that is, but if it's only a few shoots and leaves, just go with your secretaries and cut them off and remove them. That's problem solved in one go. Failing that, look for, uh, use something like either the garlic wash, Google a recipe for gar- garlic wash. What you're doing is you're, you're, you're drenching the whole laurel with uh, a, a solution of garlic mixed with water, which makes the plant completely unpalatable. To, to aphids and other insects, caterpillars and things like that, but you're not harming anything. So you're maintaining that natural balance all the time. You're not killing any of the insects. Um, another thing is, is uh, grazers. Grazers do a product which is based on calcium as opposed to garlic. Uh, and if you, you find a grazers product for cabbage, whitefly, caterpillars and aphids, and if you drench the, the, the laurel with that, a solution of that mixed with water, what you're doing, it's the same principle. Uh, the plant absorbs the calcium and the, 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 the formulation of the calcium in this product, uh, again, makes the plant totally unpalatable to aphids, caterpillars and things like that. Uh, and of course, you're strengthening the plant because you're, you're, you're using calcium and again, totally harmless way of, of solving the problem. Okay, Mary in Skibbereen has a shrub called Lithodora Heavenly Blue. Uh, she said there, can she pull bunches off the top of it as it seems to be going black or will it, will it grow back uh, again? I've had it a few years, but it's looking very sad at the moment. Anything you can suggest? I, I love the way you hesitate before you get to the long Latin name and then you kind of, yeah. you, you wait to see if you got it right. You did get it right. Did anyway. I, yeah, perfect, I, perfect pronunciation. Yeah. And it's a gorgeous, gorgeous plant. It's a nice alpine plant, actually, Trish. You've probably seen it. You might even have some of it Well, growing. actually, Mary sent on a picture. It's a, yeah. I can actually send down a yeah, picture. It's a, it's a lovely kind of inky, vibrant blue. It's a lovely little plant. But what does tend to happen is it gets quite woody and leggy. And then because there's so much foliage on it at the top, that leads to poor air circulation around the foliage, which leads to fungal, the development of fungal infections, which I suspect is what's happened here because I've seen it before with Lithodora that it goes black like this the best thing to do is to to, not to pull off the clumps as she describes but to actually prune it so uh, depending on the size of it either a secateurs or like a hedge shears and just prune off the the black growth but if it's all black i'm afraid it's probably gone too far but if you can prune the black growth off whilst leaving some healthy green growth and then i i would think it'll probably come good all on its own um but but if it's all black, it's too late. But if there's a good amount of no, green, no, there's a lot of, there's the a lot of green, green around the outside. It just seems to be in the middle of it, where it's the very woody growth. Oh, is. Yeah, 
it, yeah. Well, I would prune back so some of the green, but leave some of the green too, if you know what I mean, because then you're forcing it to green up lower down in the plant. Okay. And Marion Skib also has a problem with uh, slugs and snails eating her dahlias. She planted them a few years ago. They're eating other stuff as well. How do you get rid of it? How do you get rid of them? What do you do with them? Well, uh, as, as I've done over the last few weeks, Trish, when questions come in on slugs and snails, in the first instance, I'll direct you to my own Facebook page, The Irish Gardener on Facebook, where there's a, I have quite, a, it's about a 10 minute video on, on organic and environmentally sound ways to deal with slugs and snails. But very briefly, the one thing I'd urge you not to do is look for slug pellets containing methaldehyde because they're highly toxic, not just to the slugs and snails, but also to surrounding wildlife, domestic pets and us humans freely available in Ireland, unfortunately, banned in many European countries. So slug pellets with methaldehyde are a big, big no-no. So don't use them. You can get slug pellets with ferric phosphate, which will be effective against slugs and snails, but they're harmless to surrounding wildlife. It's just iron phosphate. Uh, Then you have, if the dahlias are growing in pots, uh, which they may or may not be, I don't know, but if you you can get a copper tape, so it's it's sticky tape on one side and copper on the other, put that around the diameter of the pot, or, or the circumference, the perimeter of the pot, and the slugs can't get over it. And another great product is uh, they're, they're wool pellets. Slug Gone is the name of one of them. They're a wool pellet that you apply it as a mulch uh, around the dahlias that you want to protect, and the slug can't get over it. So again, you're not killing anything, so you're maintaining that natural balance, so you're ensuring a good food supply for the predators, which in this case are, are the larger birds and hedgehogs, uh, so you're protecting your dahlias, but you're not killing anything. So those wool pellets are a very, very good product to use. And actually, we're hoping to get somebody who's rescuing hedgehogs. It's a vet up the country who's, and I thought of you straight away, and she's asking people about the slug pellets not to put them out because she's rescuing the hedgehogs uh, and trying to save them after they've that have ingested been them. Yeah, yeah, it's really sad. And we know how important hedgehogs are. Margaret in Ballyhay is wondering about roses. She said, I've got a couple of rose bushes. They're growing a stork completely different to the rest of the bush and I'm not sure what to do. Okay, without seeing that, it's difficult to say for sure, but I suspect that it, it's what we call uh, rootstock growth or suckers. So without going too far into it, Trish, most roses are grown commercially by a process called grafting, okay, where uh, a, a common rose is grown from seed. And the reason this is done is because your, your, your varieties of roses very often won't, well, they will never really come true to type from seed. And they're not always that successful from cutting even, okay? So we grow rootstocks like the dog rose or, or something like that, Rosa canina, uh, from seed, which will germinate very easily. And then we graft the variety that you might be after onto that rootstock, okay? And then the hope is that the, all the energy and magic which comes up through the root system go, then goes into the, the grafted union and, and you grow the variety, okay, without going too mm. far into it. And what happens is the, the, the point where you graft, that's referred to as the graft union, any growth below that graft union we don't want, okay which is why it's so important that the graft union isn't buried it should be slightly over the soil at all times okay so if you can find that graft union on your stem on on the rose bush if the growth the stalk that you're talking about is coming from below that joint uh prune it off if it's coming from above it then you should be safe enough it should should be okay it might just look a bit different because it's new growth but bear in mind that the rose if it's just grown as a normal shrub rose or climber that graft union could be down at the at towards ground level or a centimeter or two above ground level but if it's a standard rose like if it's a rose that has been grown on a clear stem for a meter or two meters then that graft union will be up at the top of that stem so 
it's not always at ground level. Mm. But send in a photograph if you want and we'll yeah. have a look at it. Okay, and uh, Neil was listening to us talk about Margaret and her email and what she's done in the garden with the bees. Neil says, hearing the story of that lady and the bees reminded me of a saw a sign once in a garden that said, excuse the weeds, I'm feeding the bees. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Um, Peter and Yall is growing cucumbers for the first time this year. They seem to be flowering very low down on the plant. Is that normal? Yes, I wouldn't be worried about that at all. That sounds fine. So long as you're getting flowers at all, really, that's the important thing. Uh, leave nature do its thing for a while. And I would say, where are we? End of June now maybe in a two or three weeks time I would remove about half of the leaves of the plant because you get quite a lot of foliage on the on cucumbers uh, and you want good air circulation around it and you want the energy from the root system to go into producing the fruit as opposed to into the leaves at that stage so yeah I wouldn't be worried that, that it's low on the ground that they're low on the plant no. Jane in West Cork has been growing strawberries for a good few years now and she gets new plants from the runners every year but this year she's a very poor crop from the plants she's wondering should she be buying in new plants every year and also, what's the best feed for strawberry plants? I would say no, you wouldn't need to be buying in new plants every year. So when you're propagating from runners, that's the same as what you're going to buy anyway. So and what a runner is, is uh, the strawberry plant sends out these little stolons, which are like um, what I refer to as umbilical cords, Trish. And at the end of the, the stolon is a little a new rosette of leaves. And if you pin that into the ground, that new rosette will, will form its own root system. And then you quite simply sever the umbilical cord or the stolon, and that then you have a new plant. Okay, mm. um, growing growing strawberries commercially, if you like, uh, and I remember because I grew up on a fruit farm where we did grow acres of strawberries, and um, growing them commercially, they were kind of used as a three or four year crop, and your best harvests were in year two and year three. Okay, but you would harvest the runners also in year three. Well, every year, but particularly in year three, because the the other ones were were coming to their end, if you like. But that's only for commercial growing, right? So in domestic growing, you certainly get more than three or four years out of a a crop of strawberries. You get maybe 10 years. But if if you're harvesting the runners or, or propagating the runners each year, then those runners should be, they are new plants. So they should be giving you a very good crop, you know, from year two to year four or five so so i wouldn't think you need to be buying new plants no but i would maybe look at feeding them and again if you're feeding it make sure it's with an organic plant food because you are obviously going to be eating the strawberries so make sure it's organic and i would go for the the nature safe which is the the galway produced one it's it's uh, it uses seaweed which is sustainably harvested which is very very important off the galway coast you're supporting Irish families in making it. It's an excellent, excellent seaweed feed. Uh, and they do an organic, well, it's all organic, but they do a tomato food in their range, which is high in potassium and phosphorus, which would be good for pr- promoting strawberries as well. So that's probably what I'd go for. OK, it's great to see so many people growing uh, fruit and veg this year. Uh, Margaret in Kilbehany has planted three blueberry plants. Now, she set them in pots because she's got a limey soil, but something attacked one of the plants and there's no blueberries. It seems like the stems were eaten, but whatever it was didn't attack the other two. But by the way, the other two were a different variety. What could be going on there? The, well, she's right to grow them in pots because they do like a slightly acid soil. So she's limey, then she's right to grow them in pots and they can dry out in pots. That's, I prefer to grow them in ground, in the open ground if possible, because they do like to be quite damp. But uh, that's not the issue here. I, I don't know what's eaten them, unfortunately. I, it could very possibly just have been slugs and snails. Um, the fact that they haven't gone, or it, it could have been a caterpillar, but you'd expect to have seen them, or aphids or anything like that, you'd expect to have seen them. Uh, slugs and snails can do the damage overnight, unfortunately, and you, and go as if they were never there. Um, the fact that they didn't affect the other two, 
there's you wouldn't read anything into that i'm afraid it, it they, they may do they may get to them yet they may just be putting them off however the fact that they are a different variety is a bit interesting because uh it may mean nothing i'm afraid they may just have not got to them yet but it, it may be yes some varieties of of any plant you, you get what we call resistant cultivars it's one of the ways of of controlling pests as you get and diseases you get resistant cultivars so perhaps the other varieties are just maybe less palatable to the mm. to the slugs what i would suggest in that case is monitor them and if, if they don't succumb to slug or snail damage bulk up on that variety yes, stick with that variety john in yeah. glantan is growing early potatoes in tires uh, they're starting to fl- flower how soon can he harvest them well when they're flowering that's uh, that's pretty much when you harvest them so i take them out now and kate in west cork grew peppers from seed this year they have been in the ground for months and are still quite small no sound of no sign of any flowers yet what do you think she's done wrong well, I'd say nothing wrong. i say just give it time. You wouldn't normally expect to harvest peppers till the end of summer or even into the autumn. But when she says they're in the ground, that obviously sounds like you're growing them outside. I would say peppers in Ireland, uh, I would always start them off indoors and even maybe keep them indoors for the whole summer. Um, but I would certainly start them off indoors uh, and I would only really be planting them out where are we? Well, not you could plant them out earlier than now, but I wouldn't be planting them out till towards the end of May. So if they've been out for a long, long time, it may just be that it's been too cold. If it's feasible or practical, if it's possible to, to dig them up out of the ground, put them into pots and maybe move them indoors to give them a growth spurt, um, or, else, or else cross your fingers for, for a heat wave, which we may get over the next couple of weeks. Okay, and in 30 seconds, Liz wants to know, is it too late to set hydrangeas outside or should it be the autumn? There's no flowers on them. No, not at all. If, if, if they're in pots uh, and you want to plant them out, uh, you can plant them at any time of the year. Just make sure you give them plenty of moisture. If it's a question of you're trying to dig it up from one part of the garden and move it, no, that would have to be done during the winter. But if it's just going from a pot into the ground any time of the year. OK, keep busy, Peter. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, Trish. Thanks Talk for then. that. Thanks for joining us. That is uh, Peter Dowdle at the irishgardener.com uh, joining us and he'll be back with us again next uh, week. OK, that's where I wrap it up for uh, today and our apologies if we didn't get to. I can see so many gardening questions have come in for Peter but it always is at this time of the year so our apologies if we didn't get to all of your questions today. We'll do better next week. Uh, thanks to Bernie who produced the programme today and we'll be back with you tomorrow morning at uh, 10 until then I'm Patricia Messenger, very good afternoon. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.